Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. It is a Thursday. Week four of the NFL season gets started. That means another Raider game is right around the corner, and that's a good thing. That is a great thing as the team is 0-3, and it's time to get that taste out of the the Raiders' mouth. And, of course, Raider Nation wants to get that taste out of their mouth as well. Want to see the Raiders with another opportunity to pick up a victory, and uh, they'll have one on Sunday versus Denver Broncos. Welcome into Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton behind the wheels of steel here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And as I said, here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, that means, yes, I have made my way. And I'll say this, Demond, off top. The one time I make my way into the studio, we don't have a catered buffet. We don't have all this great food from Joe's here available for us today. What is going on? Q, I've got the scoop for you on that. Talk to Patty from the sales de- from the sales department, and it's only on the Fridays before a home game. So you got to come in tomorrow if you want some of that good food from Joe Seafood Stone Crab and Steak. Well, first of all, that food is excellent. That food is next level food, and this is not a paid testimonial. This is just a <laughs> Q's been at the spot now testimonial, and it is fantastic. I took the the wife and little Sarah there last Friday after we got off the air. And uh, thanks to Patty, we had a, a actual, we got a table. You know, they, they he made a call and they said, yeah, we can get you in at 730. So I went in there and it's funny because the valet, I parked in valet, right? And they said, well, it closes at 10. And I said, well, our reservation is at 730. That'll be plenty of time. Brother, I got out of there about 945. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, that was some of the best food. And I know someone who's ate there probably is like, yeah, no doubt, Q. And uh, it's funny when we started talking about Joe's and that they were going to sponsor, you know, the Q's kickoff at Allegiant Stadium and they, they wanted to be a part of the show. I was like, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just Joe's, right? I, I, and I disrespected them and said, it's just. And they said, oh, you've never ate there, huh? I said, huh. no, no, I haven't. And I remember you talked about what, the chicken that you've had and you've had some different, different items here that they bring to the station. Oh, of course. Every Friday. I look forward to it on Fridays of just, hey, we got a meal coming to the station. Brother. Let me tell you the meal that I had. And I can't go through all the details because I don't even remember. But that was, and the wife to right now, I could call her right now. We could have, you could call her right now and be like, hey, how great was that dinner you had last Friday? I mean, that was the ultimate get out of jail free pass. That was the ultimate take your wife or your significant other out for dinner pass. That was the ultimate if you're, you know, on a date night and you're trying to, you know, seal the deal with the, uh, uh, Kayla, <laughs> I mean, if you want to spend the bread, that's the spot to do it. I had a bone-in ribeye that was aged, and it felt like it was aged for like 900 years. It was great. I don't exactly know the the time that it was, it was aged for, but it was a long time. It was on the special list. I had that. The special list? Yeah, yeah, I got the special. The service was amazing. I mean, amazing. For a place that was super crowded and busy, they still got us... Boom, boom, boom. Like, we didn't have to wait very long. And they even apologized. Oh, sorry for the wait. And I'm thinking, <laughs> there ain't no wait, but okay. Right? I mean, it was, it, again, not a paid testimonial. But just since you mentioned Joe's and I mentioned Joe's, I thought, I got to give them some love, man. Because that was that was some fantastic eating. It really was. My, my bone-in ribeye, it was so great. 
I'm upset now because I can't eat a bone-in ribeye from anywhere else because now I've had better, right? So now I can't go anywhere else and be like, well, let me get a bone-in ribeye because I'm going to be disappointed. So it was great, but now it's, it's messed me up. <laughs> Did you ask to see the chef? No. Who made this steak? No, because I might shake that man's hand. I might have gave him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. There was an Elvis impersonator that came in while we were there, too, and I was thinking, I was like, hey, I asked the lady, I said, why is Elvis here? And she said, I don't know. We have, uh, you know, parties and anniversaries and all that other stuff in the back. So I was like, cool. So when Elvis was leaving the building, you see what I did there? I tried to get his attention. I, I literally wanted to take a picture with Elvis. I kept saying, Elvis, Elvis, in the ghetto. Right? I, like I tried to, you know what I mean? Because I, uh, I had a boss back in Central Texas. He was actually the owner of the radio station. He said he used to be in a band and they would sing Elvis songs. And so you think of all the great Elvis songs, but the one you don't think of is in the ghetto. And so I said, oh, cool. You know, and I really didn't like hanging out with him, but he was the owner. So sometimes you have to, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Right? So got I, one, boss. Yeah. So I was, I was listening to him and I said, oh, that's great, man. What Elvis songs are you singing? He was like, in the ghetto. And that's how he did it. So I tried to do that to Elvis that was there at Joe's. And he kind of looked at me like, what in the hell is he talking about? This is not a too short song. So, I don't know that one. <laughs> right. Exactly. I got all the Elvis songs, but I don't have that one. So long story short. I didn't mean to derail the show before I get started, but Joe's is fantastic. If you have an opportunity, I'm telling you, if it's Kayla or someone else, whoever you decide to take there, take them there. That place is incredible. So I'm so glad that they're the sponsor of uh, Q's kickoff every uh, every Sunday morning from Allegiant Stadium when we do the pregame pregame show because they, like I said, they're incredible. Now, I say all that to tell you I won't be able to partake in that food tomorrow because I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings. So the show will be coming live to you from Buffalo Wild Wings in uh, the Miracle Mile. That's the mall, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to get used to all this stuff. So, yeah, we're going to be in the Miracle Mile at Buffalo Wild Wings tomorrow from 2 to 5 p.m. So come on by. We'll get you prepared for the weekend's games and uh, get everybody locked and loaded on all kind of different prizes that we'll have. But every Monday, I'll be at the Oyo. And then every Friday, I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings. And the one catch when it comes to Buffalo Wild Wings is it's going to be a different Buffalo Wild Wings each and every week. So you got to pay attention. You got to listen to find out exactly the location. So I'm going to be all over the area. I'll be in Vegas. I'll be in the malls. I'll be in Hendo. I'll be in Henderson. I mean, I'll be all over the place. So I don't know. I'm like, where's Waldo on a Friday? <laughs> and I'll remember this from the draft. This is going to be one of my biggest takeaways from the draft coverage. You say, yeah, we'll be down on the strip. And it was like, well, actually, Q. Uh, exactly. You see, I didn't say that, right? Downtown. You see, I didn't say no, that. but you are going to be down on the strip tomorrow. I will. But I, you see, I didn't say downtown. <laughs> Look, we had that one caller that was like, Q, you're not downtown. I was like, all right. This guy. Yeah, exactly. Get a map. Yeah, man. You act like you just got to town. <laughs> so I made sure I didn't make that mistake again. I haven't said that since then. I made the, uh, a note in my mind that I wasn't going to uh, do that again. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow if you're out and about around town, come to the Miracle Mile, come to the mall, come to the Buffalo Wild Wings, hang out. We'll have a bunch of prizes for you. And it's kind of cool starting the week on, you know, on a, on a Monday, out and about at the Oyo, and then closing out the week on a Friday at Buffalo Wild Wings. And, again, we'll be all over town. So I uh, just got to listen up to what we have going on. Speaking of what we have going on, we got a lot to get to on today's show. I'm so excited about it. Zach Stevens, Broncos beat reporter uh, for DNVR. That's DNVR.com. They cover everything uh, Denver-related, sports-related. He does a fantastic job. He's been on the show before. He'll join us at 2.30 to talk all things Denver Broncos and kind of start to give us a, a preview of the matchup that will go down on Sunday at Allegiant Stadiums as the Raiders try to improve their record from 0-3 to 1-3 and three on the season and not drop to 0-4. If they drop to 0-4, I can only imagine 
what these Raider Nation listener lines are going to be like. I can only imagine what the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 keyword r is going to be like. So Zach Stevens will join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz, he's going to join the show uh, just to talk about the first three weeks. Talk about, you know, everything that's been going on with the team, what he's been observing. He's sitting in the in the booth with Lincoln Kennedy. Of course, they're having conversations on the air, but they're also having conversations off the air. So we'll talk to Jason. He's been, become a real good friend of the show. Uh, very excited about having him on each and every time we get the opportunity. I usually get the chance to see him at Allegiant Stadium, you know, at the torch. He's always uh, going up there and he'll probably do that on uh, on Sunday and he'll be there with uh, JT the Brick and Eric Allen for the official pregame show. But uh, Jason's a good dude. Really good dude. I'm excited about the the direction that the team is going with Jason Horowitz as the voice of the team. So at 3 o'clock, he'll join the show. At 3.30, Ted Wynn from The Athletic, he's going to join the show to talk about this piece that he put out about Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. And there's so much conversation. Dan Orlowski really, you know, kind of poked the bear from ESPN and got everything rolling. And I don't know how many DMs you've received and how many tweets you've received about, see, see them on, see them on, this is the problem. CQ, this is the problem. I've gotten a ton of them. I know you've gotten a ton of them as well. Well, Ted actually put out a piece about, yeah, Derek Carr is definitely not ignoring Devontae Adams. Matter of fact, there's times that he locks onto him too long. So Ted does great film study and, and film work when it comes to the athletics. So he'll join us at 3.30 to talk about the piece he put out about Carr, about Adams. And to be 100% honest, it's just going to take some time. I know nobody wants to hear that. But if you go back and, and, and we said this, DeMond, we said this in the, in the preseason, in the offseason, all that, that... Aaron Rodgers has never had a good rapport with young wide receivers. Devontae Adams is the same guy. When he was young and a, and a, a Packer wide receiver, they weren't on the same page. They weren't clicking immediately. They didn't have the eye contact and know what that meant or put the, the hand up and know exactly what that means. They had to build on that. And I know nobody wants to hear this, including myself, because I thought Devontae Adams would come in and, the, and the, the games would start and all of a sudden Devontae Adams would be lighting it up. Be the number one wide receiver in the league that I expected him to be. Well, sometimes these things take some time. So Ted's piece is really good about sometimes Derek Carr is looking for Devontae and he looks for him too long and other guys happen to be open. He mentioned Waller a few times that probably could have scored touchdowns. I mean, the, the piece he put out in the athletic was really good. So Ted will join us at 3.30. At 4 o'clock, I mentioned how we have Jason Horowitz, Raiders play-by-play at 3. Well, at 4, we have his uh, his tag team partner, Lincoln Kennedy. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're able to have uh, Lincoln on at 4 o'clock. So this is going to be really cool. We have Jason Horowitz at 3, and then an hour later, we talk to Lincoln Kennedy. So both these guys are in the booth. Both these guys know what they're looking at, know what they're seeing. And, of course, Lincoln's uh, from a point of being in the locker room and being a player and being in the trenches and, you know, how, how big this game is. And one of the questions I have for Lincoln, DeMond, off the top is – how do you as a player, when things aren't going right, how do you block out the outside noise? How do you block out the guys like me saying, what in the hell's going on? Or, and I don't mean me in particular. I just mean all the you know, media guys, radio guys, the Stephen A. Smiths who are telling Derek Carr to step the hell up and you know, trying to catch headlines. How do you block that out? Because I know for me personally, it's not the easiest thing at times. Sometimes I just want to ignore every tweet that comes my way, but then I don't want to be that guy you know, because, oh, Q won't respond to us. And so I, I try not to be that guy, but then sometimes I get caught up in a rabbit hole that I can't get out of. I know for me personally, and I couldn't imagine if I'm like a professional athlete, millions of followers. Right. But if you say something negative to me, my first instinct, if it's harsh enough, block this guy. 
because it's I don't want to see this. Right. So I know it's hard. Players they always say, "Hey, we don't see this, we don't see that." But do you remember Brandon Parker? You know, during the preseason, right. I know he's out now, but he mentioned, "Hey, man, I saw." Basically, Brandon Parker said, "I saw all that stuff." Yeah. He, he saw all the mean tweets. Mm-hmm. He saw all the things saying like, "Cut him, bench him." You can say that you don't, but you do see it, and it is for me personally. I know I see it. I'm just like, just block that guy because I don't. You're being mean to me. Right. I don't want to see that, but it's hard to avoid. It. it is, and I try not to block anybody. I don't think I have anyone blocked. You know, outside I don't, of, but I think about it. There's one guy that I think I have blocked, and I think the only reason I have him blocked is because he sent some, like, dirty tweet or something, some weird rando dirty tweet. And I was like, nope, don't want nothing to do with that, bro. But, you know, when, it's, when it comes to just conversation, I literally try on Twitter very hard to have a, a, a decent conversation and not come off and sound disrespectful or defensive or this, that, and the other. But no one could ever understand the tone when you're saying something. So then people fire back. And so then I fire back. And so then they fire back. And then I, I look up, and I'm like, man, I've been doing this for 45 minutes. I can't get my 45 minutes back. You know, and the wife's like, told you to ignore the guy, you know, but I try not to do that. So I wonder, like you said, from a professional athlete's point of view, how do you forget, uh, you know, just block that out, especially when the team is underachieving? Because that's what they're doing. You know, you've got Devontae Adams. You've got Derek Carr. You've got Darren Waller. You've got Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. You've got Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. There's so many people that are talented players on this team, but yet they're underachieving. How do you block that out? That's not... Very easy. So that's one of the big questions we'll ask Lincoln coming up at 4 o'clock. And then Vinny Bonsignor uh, from the Morning Tailgate and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal, he'll join us at 4.30. Uh, he's there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center right now. They're going to have uh, locker room access. We don't have that, uh, obviously, because I can't be there. And there's nobody speaking at the podium today. So only thing it is is a little bit of practice session, and then we'll get the injury report in a little while, see how everybody's on this Thursday, see if there's any uh, updates in the practice uh, in the injury report. And then Vinny will go into the locker room, probably get some sound from the locker room and send it back to us. But we'll have him at 430 just to get the vibe of the team, where they're where they're at, how they're feeling on this Thursday, on this game week, just a couple days away from week four action for the Raiders as they host the Denver Broncos. So as you could tell, we have a loaded show for you. Zach Stevens at 230, Jason Horowitz at 3, Ted Wynn at 330, Lincoln Kennedy at 4, and Vinny Bonsignor closes us out at 430. And of course, Raider Nation, throughout the course of the show, we want to hear from you as well. 702-365-9200, Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So yesterday or last night, I did a crossover edition. We like to call it on the Lockdown Raiders podcast network. We like to call uh, it whenever the next opponent's coming up. We do a crossover. So I talked to Cody Rourke. I talked to uh, uh, Sarah Benninger, host of Locked On Broncos last night. And we were talking about the game and talking about storylines, talking about matchups, how we think the game is going to be won or lost. And at the end, I said, I think I know what the Broncos identity is. And this is just and, and I asked him straight up. I said, I think I know exactly what the Broncos identity is. Run the ball. You have a couple of running backs that are really strong play strong defense, and now you have a quarterback that can make all the, all the passes. So when you need that big throw, when you need that drive, you need that guy who's got that winning trait, he goes and makes it happen in Russell Wilson. And they said that that's what the identity of the team should be. Now, it hasn't been executed like that to perfection right now, but that's, yeah, I was pretty much spot on with that identity of the Denver Broncos. That's who they want to be. They want to have a strong run game, play strong defense, which they're doing, and also have a quarterback that can make the throws when he has to make the throws. So that led me to the topic that I have for the show today. 
Because we've asked head coach Josh McDaniels, we've asked multiple people, including Lincoln Kennedy, when he joins the show, we've asked him, what's the identity of the Raiders? I, I can ask you that right now, DeMond. What's the identity of the Raiders? I don't think you have an answer. Yeah, because they can't be the Broncos where it's heavily rely on the defense and, hey, the quarterback just make the throws right. when, you need, when you need them to. So for this team, and we've seen that at least through three games, they don't want to be a run-first team. Where Josh or at McD- least they're not so far. Josh McDaniels, he says, hey, hey, we, we want to be balanced. We mm-hmm. want to be balanced. But also the same way we said with the players, eventually you got it's no more my bads or, hey, I got to step it up. Eventually, we have to see that balance, and it can't be the hey. Well, we were down a little bit early, so that's why we couldn't run the ball. If you got your, if your star running back is getting what's it four and a half yards, almost five right. yards per carry, right? Give him the ball. Then you know the the stats are there to back it up that he's being productive. He just needs more touches. He just hasn't had much more touches, and the problem is they get, they they fall behind. Except for in the Cardinal game, which they were up, and you would think that okay, it's going to be an emphasis on the run game, and it wasn't. So I ask you this, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. And please, light it up, man. Light up the phone lines. We want to hear from you in a major way. Text line as well. We didn't have to go incognito today. It's actually working again. So whatever DeMond uh, used to do back in the day and be incognito online, you don't have to do that today. 69187, keyword R&R. What do you believe? I'm not saying that this is what it's going to be, but what do you believe this Raiders team identity should be? So if you're in the lab right now, if you're in the lab and you're coming up with, okay, this is, what the, this is my vision of this team, what would you say it, it is or it should be? That's what I want to hear because Raider Nation is very smart. Raider, Raider Nation is very passionate about this team. They know each and every player on the team, backups included, right? So I think everyone in Raider Nation pretty much knows what these players on the team are capable of doing. So if it's you, if you're in that booth, if you're up there talking to head coach Josh McDaniels and you're coming up with what the identity of this team is because they desperately need an identity, what would you say this identity should be. Not saying that it is, but what it should be. And DeMond, I think that you kind of you kind of already let off with, you know, the run game. You think that the run game should be the lead dog. Knowing the weapons that they have, you think the run game should be, it should be a pound the rock and then build off of that. No, uh, not so far. I just want okay. more balance because I think the stat was about 70%, you know, of Passing. the play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our plays. So maybe a 60 with that 60-40 split, but just more, more, getting more incorporation of the run and attack. But also, I think that this offense needs to move quicker. With the weapons that you have, yes. I think that the ball should just be flying all over the field. Where I know with Derek Carr, we're going to talk to Ted maybe about what some of the problems with Devontae could be of him and Derek Carr, mm-hmm. the chemistry that they have or lack thereof. But this offense, I think that the ball should just be being slung across the field of, hey, you get a pass, you get a pass, you get a pass. Devontae, I mentioned to you that to, to you earlier, hey, he's got three touchdowns in each of the three games. Right. So Carr's finding him when he needs to. And if it was the inverse, hey, he's got eight catches each game but zero touchdowns, then it would be the complaints of, hey, he's not scoring enough for us. Right. But I do think that this offense incorporate the run game more, but the ball, I think it should just be getting out quicker. There should, like with all the weapons, Hunter Renfro, I know that he's in concussion protocol. Right. But with all those weapons, it should just be, hey, man, two and a half seconds back in the pocket. It's going out to somebody because somebody's got to be open. Well, I'll say this, and I got excited when you said that uh, about quicker because I think that the, the offense in general should move faster. Right. Not necessarily up tempo, but, you know, in the preseason, we saw what the ball snapped at 15, 14, 13. And I was impressed. I was like, man, it looks like there's a good rhythm. It looks like a good reason to everything. Boom, 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 boom. There's a good game plan. And I know everything's vanilla in the preseason. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I do believe that this team should move a little bit quicker. Right. I mean, there was times last year and I remember JT Brick used to scream it from the mountaintops. 
Get going, get going, get going. You got these guys on the heels. Go, 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 go. It seems like too many times, and even last week against Tennessee, when they're trying to come back, it just seemed like there was no sense of urgency. Like, you don't have to go Big 12, you know, full steam ahead, you know, no, you know, helter-skelter. You don't have to do that. That's, that's you know, whatever. That's for Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. That's what he likes to do. That's what he was doing in college. But I do think that there needs to be a little bit of an uptick, right? If that makes sense. Just to have a little bit of an uptick, have more, okay, we're going to run this play, boom. And then this play immediately afterwards. Oh, we picked up seven, seven yards on first down, boom. Let's go with this hitter right here to Josh Jacobs. For, you know what I mean? Like, there's got to be, in my opinion, I think that would be a good way to get things rolling is really have an emphasis on just a little bit of more tempo. Getting the play in quicker, getting Derek Carr to the line of scrimmage quicker, making him decide as soon as possible, okay, we're good or we're not good, let's change into this, and then go. And and the other reason for that is not only to keep you in a rhythm, but it's also to keep the, the defense off balance. A lot of times you'll have to keep the same personnel in there. Hell, we saw Tennessee go a little up-tempo at times. We saw definitely Arizona go up-tempo, right? I mean, the, the Chargers, they could do it as well. Just Just go a little quicker. Instead of everything being so slow and methodical and just, hey, you know, all right, we're comfortable. All right, we're, we're breaking the huddle at 10. Now it's down to three. All right, we're good. Two. <laughs> Snap. You know what I mean? Like, there's too many times of that. I would just like to see a better rhythm. And I think if you start to establish a better rhythm, you're going to start to see better results. I really do. And again, if, if at the end of the day, if the only thing you do is keep some of the personnel defensively on the field, I think that's a plus. I think that's a win. 702-365-9200. We want to hear from you. What do you believe this Raiders team identity should be? What is your vision for the 2022 Raiders? Let's go out to the phone lines. Who we got up first? Vince. Vince, welcome to the show. Yo, Vince. Oh, hey, sorry. I think you meant Ben. My bad. Oh, this is Raiders Ben from Indianapolis, man. Got my you. bad, man. Gotcha. Hey, how you doing? Um, so... I listen to y'all all the time, man, and I love your show, by the way. Just want to give you a quick shout-out. I listen to the podcast every day, so it's really cool to be able to be on with you right now. Um, what I think personally is it should be like a death by a thousand cuts offense. So the offensive line, you know, it's not really great in pass pro. Uh, it's not really great in general, as we know. I think we need to get that quick passing game going, whether uh, on first down you know, and then if we can pick up like five yards, then run the ball with Josh Jacobs, pick up another three, and then boom, another quick pass for five, first down. It should be like that, but they should also be aware that we got that bomb in our back pocket with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr's connection. So, for example, if we end up facing like a third and six, people are going to know the ball is going to Devontae, but we're going for a big gainer, but they ain't going to be able to stop it when you got a guy like Adams on the field, especially if he's in single coverage. Hell, sometimes even if he's doubled, he's just jumping up over people and making a play. I think the identity should be a quick passing game because it wears the defense out also. So, you know what I mean? They're getting three yeah. yards here, two yards here, four yards here. All of a sudden, the defense is demoralized. Then when you got him on the heel, bam, bomb to Devontae, touchdown. You're, or whatever, you know, something like that. Um, I think we're losing sight of that, like you were saying earlier about uh, the run game. We're not using that enough, and we're also – I think Derek Carr is still trying to figure out the offense. Yeah. I think he really is. And like you said, I think it's going to take some time, so we need some patience. I'm frustrated just like everybody else. I hate zero and three. I hate that. Man, it just tastes like crap. You know, it doesn't. It, it does not taste good in your mouth. But I can see what this can be later. So I'm not panicking. I'm not freaking out. I don't think the sky is falling. You know, but we need to get on page with win with Denver. 
And I think that's how we do it. Because Denver's got a tough defense, man. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to try stuff to run. They're going to try to come at you with Gregory and Chubb. Like, the quick passing game, I think, will be key. Just my opinion. I love it. I love it. Great call, my man. I appreciate you. Make sure you chime in again, man. That was a really good call. And speaking of that Denver defense, they are great on first down. On first down, and this is one of the things I learned the other day when uh, asking questions to the head coach, Josh McDaniels. I didn't know this. He said they're about best in the league when it comes to defense on first down, which allows Gregory and Chubb on second and third down, because it's second and, and long or third and long, to be able to come just pin their ears back and come screaming off the edge. That's why they have so many sacks. That's why they're so good with pressure. That's why they create so many turnovers as far as uh, you know strip sacks and, and causing fumbles because they're able to pin their ears back. First down. I know we'll talk about keys to victory tomorrow on tomorrow's show as we close out the week. I'll tell you right now, success on first down is going to be a huge key for the Raiders. If they can stay ahead of the chains, I know it's a big if, they can stay ahead of the chains, they'll be successful. But if they get in too many second and 10s, second and 12s, third and 10, it's going to be a long day at Allegiant Stadium. It's just that simple. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Raider Fish in Berkeley. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, top of the day uh, to both of you. I'll try not to uh, <clears throat> get excited. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I got a two-pronged answer. So to simplify, right now, I think we should be passed first. Now, the more nuanced answer to that is quick, short passes to set up the power run later and the long pass. All right, we got to get that. You know, you get them short passes going, getting some get on schedule, stay on schedule. Then you guys said it earlier. I was like, man, that is exactly how I feel. Is if even if we're not on schedule, we need to make a concerted effort to either no huddle or muddle and be at that line, be under center or be in the gun with 20 seconds on that play clock and hike the damn ball. Mm-hmm. So I would like a quick. Muddle or or no huddle, and we should be passing first right now based on personnel. In my opinion, especially this game where you have this 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 voracious defense we're going to hit, and if you keep them just short passes, getting to some good down and distance, uh, that's how we should. You know, I think we could get into it. Like you said, we you know Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation, baby. That's how we should do it. So pass first, set up the run. And the long pass. So that's it for now. I didn't get fired up. I'm proud of myself. Go Raiders. Hey, great call, Raider Fish. We definitely appreciate you. Don't get me start talking about Janet Jackson because I don't think about Rhythm Nation, Janet. I start thinking about uh, that's the way love goes, Janet, right? That's the way love, way love goes, Janet, was the best in my world. And I'm telling you, I, we can have this discussion for two and a half more hours if we want. That's the way love goes, Janet, was the best. Now, when I was a kid, Penny was was cool to me, too. I was a big Penny fan as well. But, man, when she came out with That's the Way Love Goes, that whole album went hard in the paint. She was fantastic. And I'll tell you what, man, and I'm going to keep it as clean as possible because it's a family show. Janet will always be vintage. I don't care what her age is. Janet is still Janet. 
Just saying. Just going to throw it out there like that. How about we uh, hook something up, man? We can't hook up Janet, but we'll hook up something else. We got the ultimate Raiders hookup. Number, caller number nine is what I'm looking for right now. 702-365-9200. We're going to get you in to win uh, two tickets to the Raiders versus Denver game this upcoming Sunday. Two field club passes and an autographed Raider jersey. We're by, how are we going to do that? By giving you a $35 gift card to the Raider image. So caller number nine is what I'm looking for right now. 702-365-9200. Hit us up. And uh, we're going to start talking about the Denver Broncos. Broncos will do it next with Zach Stevens, Broncos beat reporter from DNVR.com. That's coming up next on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. So now it is time to turn our attention to the next opponent on the schedule, and that's the Denver Broncos. They come to Allegiant Stadium. They're 2-1. and one. The Raiders obviously 0-3. So to help us break down what's going on with the Denver Broncos is our good friend Zach Stevens. Covers the Broncos like a glove for uh, Denver Sports at DNVR Sports. And uh, Zach, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. The Broncos are 2-1. and one. It hasn't been pretty, but they're 2-1. and one. So what has been your early thoughts on the Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, the era, is how it's begun? so far in Denver oh man I mean you pretty much wrapped it up there it has not been pretty but they've been able to just squeeze by and fortunately the first two teams they played weren't very good if they played the Texans uh the, the way they played the Texans in week two if they had played a good team not even a great team just a good team uh they would have lost that game just because of, of how tough it was and when you talk about the Nathaniel Hackett era the first two weeks couldn't have gone worse outside of the one and one record. Of course, they could have been 0 2, but uh, you're talking about 25 penalties leading the league there. Uh, the, the, the national attention that Nathaniel Hackett was getting for just making the wrong calls. He made the wrong call in week one to send Brandon McManus out to kick a 64 yard field goal. Instead of giving the ball to Russell Wilson on fourth down, he was <laughs> criticized rightfully so for that. In week two, he was also making uh, errors. The Broncos had multiple delay of game penalties and both of those games and then the most embarrassing part of the first two weeks was when the crowd was counting down the play clock because the crowd didn't want another delay of game penalty but then now just a couple days after beating the 49ers Broncos are two and one first in the AFC West and Nathaniel Hackett looked a lot better uh, in this past game a lot more competent and in terms of Russell Wilson boy it, it has not been the explosive start that Broncos country wanted so there are some fans that are worried but it is just three weeks into a brand new scheme a brand new head coach a brand new play caller and a brand new quarterback so I do think that breaks need to be pumped in and people shouldn't be smashing the panic button yet you know Zach as far as Nathaniel Hackett goes there's been a lot of conversation around when he was hired the expectations were he was going to deliver Aaron Rodgers obviously that didn't happen Russell Wilson is there are you one of those that signs up to that or do you think that that's more just kind of national conversation and and more uh, you know clickbait out there yeah the reason the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett was not because they thought he was going to bring Aaron Rodgers now saying that Aaron Rodgers was absolutely in the conversation uh in in the Broncos building uh, it was Russ and it was Aaron and they found out about a week before Aaron made it public that Aaron was not going to be uh an option for them and that's when they really shifted their sights to Russell Wilson and if you remember Q the Broncos missed out on Aaron Rodgers at like 10 a.m on a Tuesday at 11 47 a.m 
a.m. is when they officially made the trade for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So so they, they, they weren't just 100% all in on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they really like what Nathaniel Hackett brings, not only from an offensive standpoint, and yes, he has worked with Aaron Rodgers, but he also led uh, Blake Bortles to the AFC Championship game as their offensive coordinator. But they also just like the culture that he brings, and it's such a different culture than what the Broncos had with Vic Fangio. Vic, it was a great coach, but not a great head coach. He, he wasn't the leader that the Broncos need, and Nathaniel Hackett's the complete opposite. He's a guy that just brings so much energy and, and so much fun to a building that that had been sucked out the past five or six years. Talking all things Denver Broncos right now with Zach Stevens here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So I saw your piece that you put out about unleashing Russell Wilson. That was following the game-winning drive against the 49ers. Uh, you know, do you think that moving forward, Russell Wilson is going to be that guy that's going to be allowed to cook? And I say that in air quotes because that's something that we've always heard when it comes to Russell Wilson. He wants to cook. So do you think that that unleashing of Russell Wilson is on the way? I don't. I don't. And and that's probably the thing that's going to drive Broncos country insane is that Nathaniel Hackett, and he's preached this, it's not a surprise that Russell Wilson has been held back and Russell Wilson has not looked like the vintage Russell Wilson because Nathaniel Hackett has talked about it all offseason. They don't want Russell Wilson to be taking off after seeing his first read. They want him to go through many progressions before running, and that's what Russell's been doing, and you can see that he's still very much in an adjustment standpoint, but when the Broncos need it, he's able to do those things like we saw in the fourth quarter, the only touchdown drive that the Broncos had. I don't agree with that, but I think it's going to be many, many, many more weeks uh, uh, of Russell Wilson being held back until if the Bronco, if that doesn't work, then I do think that, that they'll unleash him. But Nathaniel Hackett is focused on making Russell Wilson more of a pocket passer uh, to extend the, the longevity of his career. How many of the fan base or how much of the fan base is nervous that Russell Wilson isn't going to be vintage Russell Wilson throughout the course of this career or yeah the rest of the contract really that they just gave Russell yeah in terms of vintage Russ I think a lot of the fan base is worried about that now some people are saying okay well he is good enough to win in the pocket so I'd say that the fan base is pretty split right now you have half people saying okay calm down Russ has not looked great in these first three weeks but he looked like vintage Russ uh, in the fourth quarter against the 49ers the Broncos are two and one the offense is going to get better which I agree about the offense is going to get better I mean heck they're averaging under 14 points per game offensively. It can only get better, Q. Uh, and, and they hope to change that this week against the Raiders. Uh, but but the, the other side of the fan base is saying, look, if Russ is a pocket passer, we haven't seen him succeed year in and year out as just a pocket passer. And that's why the Seattle Seahawks let him go is, is they said, we don't view Russell Wilson as being a $50 million quarterback if he can't move. And they thought that, that, that his mobility was really slowing down. So they made the gamble that he's not going to be able to be a pocket passer and the Broncos made the gamble that he's going to be able to be good enough even if he's still not as mobile. Talking right now with Zach Stevens talking all things Denver Broncos. They're headed to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday for week four action and you know if they're only averaging 14 points a game or just under 14 points a game Zach they've got to be doing something right defensively right and what we saw the other night is as a defense has been playing really stellar any surprise that they're playing at the level that they are right now? Yes the, the, the I expected the defense to take a step back a little bit without having 
think Vic Fangio here, but new defensive coordinator Ejiro Evero has been incredible. And the Broncos, Randy Gregory, the biggest pickup they made in free agency was also their biggest gamble of the offseason by bringing Randy Gregory in. The talent has always been there, but there's been many off-field things going on with him uh, from being suspended. And then he's also a guy that gets injured a lot, but so far, the gamble has absolutely paid off. He's been an absolute beast. Uh, and the, the, uh, the defense, in fact, has not taken a step back. It's gotten better. They're the second best scoring defense in the NFL, and they have just shut teams out when it comes to the second half. Uh, Q, get this, in the six uh, or, or in the three second halves, which is six quarters of football, the Broncos have allowed three points, three total wow. points in their first three games in the second half. So uh, if that keeps up, the Raiders are going to want to make sure that they, <laughs> they get a big lead in the first in the first half and don't blow it in the second half because the, the defense uh, has been something that we haven't seen in Denver, and that's good at closing the game out, not just with that second half stat I threw out there, but also you look at the fourth quarter against the 49ers. The 49ers had two opportunities to go win in the game late in the fourth and the Broncos defense created two turnovers. That's not something we're used to seeing. Even with Denver's defense being pretty good the past few years, they have not been able to close games out and under this new staff they, they have so far. Yeah, no, that's impressive, right? And the Raiders scored 20 points against the Cardinals in the set, first half uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they ended up eventually <laughs> losing that one. So I guess that they're going to have to get into the end zone early and often against the Broncos in the first half uh, so they don't drop to 0-4 on this, uh, this game on Sunday. But hell, they still could. You know, it depends on how this game shakes out it's going to be you know how it is AFC West division uh, rival game so it's always fun so as far as uh, Patrick Sertain goes I want to stick with the defense man how have you seen his maturation gone uh, from one year to the next He's been incredible, and last year, he was incredible. Last year, he was probably the, the the most deserving Bronco to make the Pro Bowl, and for the first time in 40 years, the Broncos did not have anyone make the Pro Bowl, so that shows you the level he was at last year. Was He was their best player. This year, he's been their best player, and you've had a lot of guys rise up from where they were last year, and he has still maintained uh, that, that title of the best player. In fact, you saw it this past week on Sunday Night Football, uh, going up against Debo, going up against the 49ers. Pat Sertan was targeted six times and allowed zero receptions. Mm. He had two huge pass breakups. In fact, he was targeted five times in the first half, and Jimmy G and, and Kyle Shanahan said, we're just not going to go your way in the second half. Only threw to him once. Pat Sertan is looking like an absolute elite cornerback. I think he's already one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL right now, and man, I cannot wait to see him go up against Devontae Adams. And, and if I'm the Broncos, I'm absolutely having Pastor Tan shadow Devontae Adams because he had a good test in week one going up against DK Metcalf. DK caught like six passes on Pat, but he he only had 36 yards. So the whole the whole plan for, for Pastor Tan going up against DK was just don't let him beat you. Let, let him have the underneath stuff. And I think Pastor Tan holding DK to under 40 yards was absolutely a win. If he can do anything like that against Devontae Adams, you know, e even hold him to 60 or 70 yards, I think that'll be a win. You know, that leads right into the next question. I wanted to ask you, you know, what did you think of the matchups? Of course, the Raiders have uh, Devontae Adams. They have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. If he's available, you know, he's coming back from the concussion. So if he's available, that'll be uh, another weapon out there. How do you think the, the Broncos defense kind of attacks those two guys in particular? Devontae, if he's covered by Pat Satan, then what does who, who matches up with Darren Waller? 
Yeah, and that that's the scariest part for me. Even though Devontae Adams is arguably the best receiver in the NFL, I am all in on Pat Sertan. So I think he's going to be able to contain him. Look, shut him down. No one should be able to shut Devontae Adams down. So at least contain him. But I'm actually not positive that the Broncos are going to have Pat Sertan shadow Devontae Adams. And the reason is when the Broncos played the 49ers this past week, Debo Samuel, uh, they the Broncos did not have Pat uh, of follow Debo around the field because Debo just plays a different type of role. And it seems honestly like that's kind of what Josh McDaniels is trying to do with Devonte Adams right now. Uh, and maybe not getting the most of him from doing that. So if they do that, I'm not quite sure Pat Sertan is going to follow him all over the field. Uh, but when it comes to Darren Waller, look, the Broncos have had issues covering tight ends for so long and Darren Waller and the Raiders have absolutely capitalized on that. But in this past game against George Kittle, one of the elite tight ends right up there with Darren Waller, the Broncos were able to hold George Kittle to 28 yards. Now, George, that was his first game back, so you, you give a little break there. The Broncos don't have Justin Simmons in this game, who is the guy that you turn to to cover these good tight ends. So it's going to come down to some backup safeties and linebackers, which which is scary. And and that's the one position because the Broncos have K1 Williams who's a good slot corner who can keep up with Hunter Renfro. Again, not, not stop him, but keep up with him. Darren Waller could, could have a, a huge game. And I know he needs one after what happened this last week. Yeah, no doubt about that. Again, we're talking Denver Broncos right now with Zach Stevens here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So uh, if the Raiders are going to win this game on Sunday as the Broncos come to Allegiant Stadium, if there's a weakness in this Broncos team, what would it be that the Raiders could try to exploit? Well, the defense is going to have to step up with their pass rush uh, because the Broncos are going to try to get Russ cooking because it, it needs to start clicking eventually. This Broncos team not only averaging under 14 points per game offensively, but they haven't scored more than 16 points in a single game queue. I mean, th this is a big get-right game, I'd say, for the Broncos offense. But when you look at it from the Raiders' perspective, from the Raiders' defense, this could be a good get-right game for them, especially Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. The Broncos' offensive line has been shaky, to say the least to start so far, especially in the past game. Pin your ears back. Go get pressure on Russ and don't let him escape the pocket. That's going to be a huge start because the Broncos offense has just struggled so much. And when it comes to defense, man, they're going to have to try to run the ball. And, and I know that that's not what the Raiders want to do with, with Josh Jacobs is run the ball, but the Broncos pass rush has been dangerous. The Broncos secondary, even without Justin Simmons, has been so good. They could find ways to run the ball on the Broncos uh, and, and not allow those pass rushers to pin their ears back. That's going to go a long way in this game. Uh, and and again, just can the Raiders defense step up and, and keep the Broncos offense off balance? You know, I'll tell you what, Josh Jacobs, he got a big smile on his face here in that I mean he hasn't got the ball very much you know but he when he has carried the rock he's done a pretty good job with this so maybe you'll see a heavy dose of the run game on Sunday that'll be a I think a pleasant sight to see for for all of Raider Nation and finally Zach before I let you go I wanted to ask about a tweet that I saw from you about head coach Josh McDaniels not a uh, not scheduling to talk to the Denver media this week and you weren't surprised by that what's the feeling right now uh, in Denver around head coach Josh McDaniels obviously not the head coach there in Denver he's here in Las Vegas but just around him in general with the media and with the fan base. 
He's one of the least liked people in this city, <laughs> not just not just this week, but for about the past decade. And so it sets up perfectly. If Josh McDaniels is going to fail, it sets up perfectly that it's going to happen in Las Vegas. However, on the flip side, if he figures it out and turns into a good head coach and a good manager and leader, oh my gosh, it's just going to be even that much more of a nightmare because Josh McDaniels came into town. He ran off Jay Cutler. He ran off Brandon Marshall. And, and then he... He just sent this team into a tizzy, one of the worst places that they've ever been in their franchise. Uh, and then, of course, goes back to New England, wins some Super Bowls there. Uh, but 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 from everyone I've talked to, because I, I didn't cover the team when Josh was here, right. but everyone I've talked to inside the building said that Josh is one of the most, if not the most, uh, the smartest football mind they've ever been around. But just when it came to being a leader uh, and a head coach uh, of an entire organization, because remember, he was also essentially the general manager here as well. Yeah. He just completely failed in that respect. And that's what's, that's what's scary from a Broncos perspective. If this guy turns it around and, and learns from Bill on how to be a leader uh, and, and he puts that together, he's one of the smartest football minds that's probably ever been around, which is really scary. Yeah, well, I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation is, has their questions right now. I'll tell you, doing, <laughs> yeah. doing radio here every day, there's a lot of questions around uh, the head coach, the quarterback, the team in general, as they are 0-3. Well, Zach, fantastic stuff, man, as always. It's great to catch up with you. What do you got coming out that maybe Raider Nation could check out and you know get a little bit more intel on the Broncos? Really diving into this Devontae Adams-Pat Sertan matchup because, of course, Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett knows Devontae Adams as good mm -hmm. as anyone yep. in the NFL, so I, I'm really excited to ask him about those guys and really dive into that matchup. That's going to be a good one. I'm definitely going to be paying attention as well. Again, Zach Stevens, you can find him on Twitter at Zach Stevens Denver. That's D-N-V-R at the end. Zach, fantastic stuff as always, my man. I definitely appreciate you and look forward to Sunday. Right on. Thanks for having me on, Q. There he goes right there. Zach Stevens does a fantastic job covering the Broncos. And you see there's no love lost in Denver when it comes to head coach Josh McDaniels. Even with cats, they weren't there covering the team when he was there. But uh, good stuff right there from Zach Stevens, giving us a great uh, behind-the-scenes look at the Denver Broncos. 248 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. I'm all the way up, Vinny Bonsignor sent over some uh, locker room sound from both Darren Waller and Trayvon Merrick, so uh, that's good. We'll have that some point of the show. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, Jason Horowitz, Raiders play-by-play -play voice. He'll join us to talk all things silver and black and what he's expecting for uh, this game coming up on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium versus Denver Broncos. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Been throwing out the question to you on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r, &R. What do you believe this Raiders team identity should be? In your opinion, what is your vision? Mailman Raider said, Q, I think the identity of this team should be a high IQ-based team. The team is littered with high-end vets, whether it be Carr, Adams, Harmon, Max, etc., or the coaches. McDaniel is supposed to be this guru on offense, and we talked to Graham. He could be a head coach material in the offseason. Even higher up, the GM and assistant GM have high IQ. Execution is key. We just haven't executed yet, but I think they will sooner rather than later. That's Mailman Raider, and I agree 100%. And that's something that Josh McDaniels talked about, a high IQ team. He talked about that so many times. Do things smart. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. And through three games, I hate to say it, but they've the, the Raiders have beat themselves three games in a row. Will they go out there and execute on a higher level, high, higher level Excuse me, on, uh, on Sunday? Well, that's remained to be seen, but... That's what they need to do. Good text. That's Mailman Raider. Uh, one more quick text from the 707. I want a deep team that's able to utilize the talents of all 53 players. 
The offense identity should be a tough running game with a high-flying, aggressive passing game that spreads the ball all over the field to all of the weapons and a, def- and a defense that terrorizes opposing quarterbacks with waves of pass rushers all game long that just breaks the will of other teams' offense. Again, it's a text from 707. You know, I couldn't tell you the last time the Raiders had a defense like that. Even last year under Gus Bradley, you know, they always had the waves of players coming in and, you know, have line one, line two, line three, and they were all going to be fresh. But for some reason, and I don't know the answer, I really don't, for some reason, the Raiders have had a lack of um, ability to get to the quarterback for years. I mean, that's just what it is. And right now, the only guy getting to the quarterback or even sniffing the quarterback is Max Crosby. Nobody else. There's nobody else even getting close to the quarterback. I know Malcolm Koontz gets, you know, gets home, but he doesn't get enough snaps. You know, maybe this is a game that you see Malcolm Koontz and Sean Bauer get some, some burn. If, you know, it's one of those things. If that guy can't get home, and Mark McMillan said it earlier in the week, Hey, I can't be any worse than that guy. Throw me in. And honestly, at some point, if I'm Malcolm Kuntz or Tashawn Bauer, I might go to Patrick Graham and say, hey, man, that dude ain't getting it done. Give me some burn. I don't know how that would go over. I don't know if they'd accept that or not, but what's the worst he could say? No. Wait your turn. You're doing that anyway. I've always been one that I've never been, been shy to ask for something because I already I know at the end of the day, a closed mouth don't get fed, and, and at the worst case scenario, someone could say no. And someone says no, well, that's fine. I didn't have it anyway. Hardcore Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, man. Uh, yeah, so something I've been thinking about is uh, essentially just, like, schemes, you know? Uh, like, when I look back at, like, kind of what Gruden was trying to do, um, I feel like Gruden was, like, a, like run first to set up for the pass, mm-hmm. which it, which that that's kind of an old-school method. But, you know, it can work, and I feel like – that can wear down the defense at times, you know? And so I think that was kind of Gruden's philosophy was smash mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that is it puts you into predictable situations at time and times, and that's like where, like, Tyron Matthew would, you know, uh, pick off their car and be cracking jokes, and they kind of knew our plays, you know? So, I, like, for me, I don't agree with some of the Raider Nation talking about Josh McDaniels' plays. I think, you know, Derek Carr needs to do better execution, uh, there's plenty of blame to go around everywhere, but, you know, essentially I feel like maybe now we're switching to more of a modern era football where it's like, you know, pass the ball first to set up the run, you know, mm-hmm. and I I like some of the play calling because it's not as predictable. I just think that there's some missed opportunities and a lot of guys got to step up, but, you know, uh, the flip side, I do think we need to run the ball more, but the problem is with, something that McDaniel said is when there's still two quarters left and we're, you know, only down by two scores. Like I, I think that there should be enough time for us to run the ball. Now I get it. If they're burning like seven minutes off the clock or whatever, well, that's a little bit different. You know, uh, the other thing about it is though, is like, if you're running the ball, you're burning some clock, you're giving your defense some time to recoup and whatnot. Um, you know, I, and I also feel like if Derek Carr can learn the system and kind of step up to the plate, like I want him to, you know, I think that Derek Carr would best shine in, like, a hurry-up, up-tempo offense. If you look at, uh, like, what he did in college, mm-hmm. and even with Bill Musgrave, I feel like those were, you know, well, definitely in college, but, like, where they didn't even huddle in college, you know? So if we could get to a point where it's, like, a hurry-up, and he knows the playbook enough to just, like, switch the play, and there's plenty of time on the clock, uh, you know, that could be a good recipe. But I think 
we're probably quite a ways from him being at that level or the whole team as, as a whole. So appreciate you guys. Yeah, a hey, great call. And yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, up tempo and super fast, like Helter Skelter hair on fire, but just a little quicker, have a little bit better rhythm than what they have right now. Don't snap the ball with two, one seconds left on the clock. How about with 12, 11, 10 seconds left on the clock? How about that? You know, get that play in. Boom, boom, boom. Just have a better rhythm. Right now, offensively, I feel like the rhythm isn't there, but that's a lot of good stuff, Hardcore Raider. Thank you so much for the call. Coming up next, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. Jason Horowitz, Raiders play-by-play voice. He'll join us. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.